0: welcome back listeners this is dancing around the questions and once again i'm gerardo your host in this little auditory journey today's guest hails from charlottesville virginia Alan has trained in numerous dance styles since he began at UVA Salsa Club and he hopes to get dancing in his new home in Atlanta, Georgia once this silly, life-altering global pandemic subsides. This is the first virtual interview I've conducted, so the sound quality might be a little different than recent episodes, but on a positive-ish note, I didn't lose literally all of the audio when Zoom froze as I was trying to export the meeting. So you have something to listen to and I had something to work on. One quick note, um, if you don't manage to make it to the end of all these episodes, um, I encourage you to send in your questions and comments to dancingquestions at gmail.com. I'll try to integrate them into future interviews and maybe even special discussions. But without further ado, here's Alan. The only thing I can say is the allergies here are destroying me so hard.
1: Yeah, no, um, I was at, so my family's from Georgia and I just moved to Atlanta last summer. So I didn't, I missed the allergies, but like, I've never seen so much pollen that it like cakes the ground, like it's snow. Like mm-hmm. I walk sometimes out of my apartment complex and it's like a trail of like footprints in the snow following me. Like that's how bad it is. I've never seen that
0: before. <sighs> Yeah, it's like it's rained the past couple of nights up here, and as I was driving around this morning, I just saw like dried puddles of pollen just like wherever the water had dried up. It was real bad. Ugh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about the only thing I can complain about right now, I think. And then there's worse things, I guess, so yeah. that works. Well, thank you for agreeing to join me on this little project I have. Nah, um,
1: it sounds like a cool project.
0: Like, is this, um, like, how did you come about, like, this concept? It's been kind of a long time coming, just stemming from conversations I've had with people such as yourself about dance in general and just, like, different dance cultures and what's important in this one versus that one and stuff like that. Well, definitely.
1: I am a person that has many opinions and thoughts in my, from my experiences with dance, and I appreciate anyone
0: that will, is willing to listen. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like it, it's really fun to talk about, and I've done a couple at this point now, and it's, it's a blast doing it the first time and then going through and piecing it together as a sound engineer slash editor slash whatever that is. <laughs> true, true. So uh, I guess we'll we'll kick it off with the questions that really form the basis of this podcast. And the first couple questions are, when and why you started dancing?
1: Okay, so I started dancing back in 2009, fall 2009, my best friend then, we were in our first year activities fair, we were just walking around trying to do different things. He comes up to me and like a lot of men says, do you want to join the club to meet cute girls? Um, and for that was a good reason. Uh, good, It was a good initiation, I think. It, it motivated me to show up. Uh, it was actually the motivation of someone that I had a crush on that got me to perform my first year in the fall. And it probably took about a year or two into dancing where it became more for myself not so much my desire to look for uh, the opposite sex it was just like I'm enjoying this I want to enjoy this to the maximum I'm not really concerned so much about um, who's there or or like meeting people in that and for those purposes so really just my friend inviting me cute girls and then eventually it became just a part of my life I some of my best friends are, are from the dance community and people that I appreciate and respect the most people I still talk to from college probably related to dance so the uh, it started out with those silly reasons and then it was about the community and a little bit about the enjoyment of dance I mean I think it's more about the community honestly
0: yeah it's really coming back and I I know that like we've had some really like wild connections sort of just because of like our own separate dance experiences like and since I moved to Richmond I met people at least one person you know like because there was some sort of dance connection
1: yeah no, it's it's always surprising the amount of people you can meet it, or even just like oh I know this person they'll introduce you to everybody and then you'll be a part of the group immediately like so the whole pandemic happened and dance has really not been a part of a lot of our lives like the way we know it but I know that through my relationship with someone I knew while I was an undergrad I've been zoom calling with a group of dancers out in San Francisco and you know we've gotten close and we are starting to plan trips or specifically me to come visit their area when everything starts to feel more normal out there and it's because of that relationship to dance that You know some of those relationships happen it's always interesting to see how sometimes my relationships struggle to even start without like that that commonality like i have friends outside of dance or maybe friends that don't dance anymore but typically it's the dance that introduced us so it's always it's just different meeting people without that that easy space to meet them
0: yeah it's it I, I kind of think of it sometimes when like you're in you're in college and you're all like struggling, like cramming for exams and whatnots. Mm-hmm. But like when you're dancing, you've kind sometimes you kind of give yourself these hardships just staying up till 3 a.m. dancing and then just like you all have that quote unquote ad- adversity that you're going through. Um, And then it just becomes like really fun to have those memories with people and then like just share common experiences like that with others that also do crazy things like that.
1: You know, I think that's actually very unique to our experiences learning dance in college. We specifically had to learn in this space where we're being taught by students, we're committing as much effort or energy as we want to do it, where other people are probably committing that effort in other places and they might get into dance later in life where it's kind of like a hobby whereas for us that was the social group that we committed ourselves to over most things and once we get into the real um, the real world and everyone else is dancing and we're meeting adults that started dancing maybe in their 30s and we, we started dancing in our teens and early 20s the way that we approach it is so different because mm-hmm. at one point we were you know, committing hours upon hours of just dance. And then we focus on our work. And now it's interesting to see how people might translate to uh, how people are doing the opposite of that. And then how, I'm not sure how your dance life has shifted. But I know that for me, you know, after my last dance team back in 2018, I was like, I need to take, you know, a break or I need to like not commit as much effort or time into it because you know the opportunities to enjoy but also just not as many people are willing to give what i want to give so let me just take a step back so that
0: i'm not getting too consumed by it Mm -hmm. yeah i i do kind of understand that um i i don't know how i feel about um performing personally anymore because that that brings this whole this whole other like world of executing a specific thing perfectly for like one one or two shows maybe to mm-hmm. to the forefront instead of just like learning learning the what what I consider like the more important parts of the dance, just like learning about your own body and um, like the the cultures of what you're dancing to
1: yeah no it's it's definitely i i really started to as i got away from undergrad i would perform only when i wanted to it no longer felt it felt like performing was like such a big part of my dance enjoyment but then it was like every couple of years i'm like i'll ask a local group or some uh, for um some of the promoters i was like can i do a thing i'll probably train for a couple months and i just want to do something to a song i really like and i think Mm -hmm. i can do it better than most people yeah Um, and i think people here will like it because they like me but (laughs) it's more about enjoying the experience of dance i i especially when i started to teach the university students after graduating you recognize that so many people have wrapped their experience around whether or not they can perform in their showcases that they're really not enjoying, or even learning to enjoy dancing at all.
0: Yeah, it's um, for some people the enjoyment really does come from less, like learning, like choreographing and learning routines, and you do get better, or you do get a lot better even by by doing that. But that's the main reason some people enjoy it, and some people enjoy it because they're meeting and interacting with a bunch of people, just like these very brief moments with like song per song.
1: Yeah, no, um, I think it's also, I just didn't feel the satisfaction of dance when I was, it's one performance for maximum two nights and it's all this work for a maximum of six minutes of execution. That's really was where I was like, I need to find more enjoyment out of this experience, because there clearly is more to enjoy, honestly, not just thinking about, you know, a show for my parents and my friends, but just what what am I getting out of this experience? And yeah. How can I maximize my joy out of this? And as I got, as I got through probably my third or fourth year in undergrad, I was more focused, not so much on, you know, the shows i was more thinking about how can i improve everyone else's experiences but also what is it that i want so like at parties i used to be the one that danced with everybody then i was like i'm gonna dance as much as i want until i can't and then i'm gonna stop but as long as i'm having a good time that's the focus i was so focused on other people yes i
0: didn't really know how to make sure i was enjoying it yeah and for for me i can say that when when i was less good than I am now, however good I might be. And I don't know how that is. But when I was still like unsure of myself, I didn't consider how much fun I was having. And I like maybe I wasn't even having fun. It was always like, okay, does this person like, are they having fun when I'm dancing with me, when they're dancing with me? This person, Mm -hmm. this person. And it's it's morphed around over time where like I don't think about that almost ever now it's like it is what it is and hopefully I'm having fun doing it
1: yeah I I just I think the maximum amount of thought I give to that is is this difficult for them am I doing as much as I can to make this efficient but uh, as long as I feel a vibe you know that's what's important and there'll be times where I'm dancing with a partner and they are having the time of their life and I and just miserable (laughs) and I'm like I'm glad you had a good time but you know it's like please come find me for another dance it's like maybe
0: maybe I'll Uh, leave I don't know um so uh, let's backtrack a little bit to um how you felt out when you were starting dancing because like we've kind of covered this but maybe go going over that again
1: um I think it was really interesting how I approached dancing because I think I got a lot of praise for what I would what I interpret, like, from my point of view now, looking back at how I was back then, I got praise for, first of all, showing up, trying hard, you know, giving, giving it might all, but also having a general sense of rhythm that might have been different from the instructors or the other dancers. And that almost, that really skewed my perception as to how good I was in comparison to other people which became it wasn't an issue because ultimately I was just that younger person that was just really into it and they just really liked my presence being around but I recognized as I got through my first show I was like oh I am not only the newest person here I suck compared to some of y'all like y'all are really you know really putting a lot into it and technically sound and able to pull off all these things and I I hear you guys praising me and I just had this inflated perception of myself when in reality I lack you know so many basic fundamentals and as I as I was starting off that first year was really a an eye-opening experience of just saying like you know you're having a good time and people enjoy your presence and you are doing some things good but you're doing you're really relying more on You know your basic understanding of rhythm and then for performances your uh, ability to physically do things as they're being told but as i looked at myself i was like i want to become better and i think after that first year and into my second year of dancing i was really focused on taking classes finding people to teach me improving my technique when i could as well as uh, listening to music, I think that it was really important to really just get a, grad, a better, not even understanding of how good I was, but it was better to understand that there's always more for me to improve upon. So I really tried to shake that mentality that I was better than I thought or better than I was and more focused on how can I keep improving.
0: Did you do any sort of dancing before Salsa Club? nothing like tangible there are some child
1: performances when i was five and you know when you go to a party in high school the the general ability to move my body Uh um more of a pop and locking uh sensation those are that would be probably the bulk of my experience of dancing before salsa
0: as you were starting to try to improve yourself on top of just the, the what sounds like a pretty good basis that you had for dancing what um what sort of difficulties did you encounter?
1: Hmm. Difficulties I think that I first my first difficulty was grasping the fact that this costs real money um, yeah. it was I was really fortunate and I keep telling all of our friends I even did this when I was advertising as an executive member in undergrad. This is the best time to learn because maximum you're spending $40 a semester, um, which is unfathomable considering that. I think when I was doing a performance team a few years ago, I think I was paying like 80 bucks a month for, for an instructor, you know, he wasn't really present all the time. And I ended up teaching at least a quarter of the choreography that I had to figure out as I pieced together videos they sent that didn't even have a partner. It was very silly. It was very silly. But ultimately, the first thing was like, I think one time I was 18, 19, I was going to the uh, Mamba Room in Norfolk. And they encouraged me to try out for their dance teams. And I was like, okay, I've done some performances. They're inviting me to go to their dance team. And then I go, I go to like three different dance team uh, tryouts and all three dance teams want me. And then they start talking about fees. And I was like, excuse me, how much for each team?
0: Wait, I have to pay to be this in
1: this thing that I tried out for? Yeah, that was the thing. I was like, I tried out and I have to pay. I was so baffled because I'm like, wait, do you want me or not? Because like, I I can't afford this. Like, I'm not going to ask my parents for money. I don't have a job. This is a summer thing for me right now. And most of my summer money is not going towards a, you know, a dance thing that I, I thought I was, I thought I was doing y'all a favor. (laughs) Yeah. You guys want me. (laughs) Yeah. So that caught me off guard. And I think that was, that was one of the biggest things to start with as I progressed. And as my skills progressed, I just, I really got more critical as to who was teaching me to dance. Um, so I know that Geraldo, you know me specifically through salsa and Latin partner dancing, uh-huh. but I also have some experience with ballet, contemporary jazz and hip hop. So I'm always looking for, you know, drop-in classes or progression series to keep my skills up in those those styles. And what I notice is that, you know, each each I really grasp a better mm-hmm. understanding of what it meant to be a good teacher like as I became a good teacher I was recognizing good traits of teachers and I recognized not everybody is a good Latin dance partner teacher so I was like I don't know if I want to go to you know so-and-so's lesson in this city versus maybe I'll travel a few hours go get taught here and so it was really hard to find something
0: that would satisfy my itch for yeah and and like that that's that can be really dependent on like person to person as well, because I was listening to another instructor, I think in the, in the Zook community talking about how somebody who you like you might learn from very well might be a, like an instructor or a teacher that doesn't jive with the, the next person that they're working with.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you capable of teaching in a way that is that can be received by multiple different people are you focused more on technique or are you focused more on feeling are you using counts or are you using noises and does that work do each of those things work for whatever crowd you're teaching and you really get a better idea of you know I, i'm someone that i like the idea of like i like that you pay your dues like or you have experience doing this or you've been taught by someone so Uh, I'm really looking at more, I'm looking more at uh, merit more so than like, I'm looking more for merit in this space only because there is really harder, it's harder to specifically say someone is amazing right off the bat Mm -hmm. without, without had that merit only because this is a very small, I mean, dance is a very niche uh, thing to be uh, that invested in that you want to learn lessons for it's growing in popularity in the west but at the same time you have a situation where uh it's still super small it's very limited like people love to watch the dance and they're like Te- teach me something but then like how far are you going to go down the rabbit hole and not very people go far down it and that's not a problem but it's but it's so it's small enough where it's it's not easy to have unbiased like opinions about who's good who's not it's like you kind of get what you get whoever's teaching here is whoever you got
0: yeah like when if you don't really have the options to move around and travel or like or if it's just like a really big financial barrier then what you've got around you is like your best shot at learning x or y style of
1: dance yeah, and, and I and I think that was that's actually one thing that I'm really excited about living here in Atlanta now is that I I recognize there are so many more dance styles and teachers to train with versus in Charlottesville where I'm originally from. You gotta had one or two people in each style, or you you might be a student getting taught by the university group, and that's really just a situation of whoever's teaching at that moment, maybe they're good, maybe they're not. And that is, it really does limit how much you're going to get better based off of your accessibility. It's really about accessibility. And there is a a monopoly of talent, mostly in the urban communities and the cities. And when you get the suburbia or the more rural areas, you get
0: what you get. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Um, In light of things being so strange right now, but hopefully improving, um, have you been able to travel much in the past to other places to like dance congresses and whatnot? Oh, yeah, Um, that was a big part of my
1: experience, even after undergrad. But I would say probably from age 20 to age 27 i was at least making at least once a year i made an out-of-state trip to a dance festival or dance congress but i also would frequently be traveling all over the state of virginia um, to go to different socials based off of who i knew lived there or the instructors or the size of the venues or who might be performing etc etc actually specifically how we really got to engage more was the year, my fourth year in undergrad, I was doing so much traveling to the University of Virginia Salsa Fest that I traveled to at least 13 uh, venues or specific events over the course of like two months. Um, there there were times where I said, okay, on Friday, we're going to Lynchburg, on Saturday, we're going to Roanoke, and on Sunday, we're going to Richmond, um, and I was like, uh, it was just like round trips paid for by the University of Virginia, who would always reimburse me, um, then I think I've probably been to one, two, three, I've probably been to at least 13 Congresses, which honestly, that number should be higher if not for, um, not even last year. The last year only stopped me from going to one or two Congresses. But ideally, I, w- I would have gone to more, but I ended up going back to grad school and that just limited my free time to be traveling yeah. a lot. But th- the opportunities are always were always available to me. I'm very fortunate to have people who will give me a couch to crash on, which is just a big thing in the dance community. They're like, come for a weekend crash in our couch our guest room on the floor or whatever and please come dance for the night I'm like all right cool and that's that's what I really like about that the, the community is very supportive of supporting out-of-towners even if you
0: barely know them yeah like you you already have this thing that you have to devote a lot of time to and so you're, you're going to have something in common and just find people you like and people are going to want to take new friends in, and and have them spend a the night and like get a drink or go out to eat or something. Absolutely. It's it's
1: really just an easy way to just engage with people. And I think that's one of the one of the really unexpected aspects of the social dance. You think about meeting the people and the dance space, but you don't really consider the amount of hours given to it and then that relatability and that connection to it. I think that is pretty common, even if you know, I think my, my perspective on this has shifted a little bit over the last few years. However, I recognize that the relationships I've made with people in dance, even even if they're not the deepest, they're some of the easiest to make. Some of the more, they're really fun to enjoy. And it's just really been a pleasure to just see how they progress over time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Where do we go back
1: to... i man, the worst at those, you can't ask me that question.
0: Well, I'm going to go back to what I think we were covering before I discovered my fatal error last time. What keeps you involved in dance now? Or like what sort of things resonate with you the most?
1: I would say that, um, you know, still looking at it, dance is by far one of the easiest, basis for me to engage with people. Um, I think that it's a misconception to assume that I'm just like the ideal extrovert because I'm so outgoing. People, you know, see me being boisterous and having a great time, especially in dance. But I tend to be pretty uh, reserved when it comes to meeting people or engaging with people. And I feel like dance is a space where, you know, talking is optional you know, especially as a leader, if you are a competent leader, people will engage with you uh, even without the effort of talking as much or as frequently, which is something I've taken advantage of for years. That being said, you know, dance, that that community is a sense of the thing I'm looking for. There's also like that physical joy that, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, people look at dance and it can be like an oasis or a safe space or one of the one locations where they are a version of themselves where they don't feel confined by their life's expectations or the necessities or responsibilities of their life and that might give some people a misconception that that is that ideal version of or that that very open version of themselves is who they are at all times and sometimes when you look at that it's an expectation that maybe that's how all dance spaces are that's how they always are when they're away from the dance space and you realize that uh, even though it's so comfortable being in the dance space that doesn't necessarily mean that when you step away from the dance space that's how it's always going to be and I think that's something that's really important to keep in mind as I look forward to going back into dance spaces is understanding that understanding that it's not it's not this perfect utopia that i've envisioned for myself i think that i was very fortunate to learn while i was in college where so many people and it's in myself that when i got out of college and You know, you get away from those close relationships with the people that you study with, you practice with, you train with, you party with, you see them so often. And then you're here in reality where you only see these people maybe around dance. And maybe you have a miss, uh, you have a unfair or unrealistic expectations as to what those relationships will look like. And just as as I've gotten further away from school, as I got older, I just learned to both recognize I need to appreciate who these people are in the dance space as they are, but also recognize that that might not be who they are at all times, nor do they always want to be that person outside with you all the time. So it kind of helps me prepare like those expectations with those relationships going forward. So while the dance space provides this really comfortable uh, environment for me to engage with people, I think just preparing myself, preparing myself for all the confusion or preparing myself for the expectations
0: is always good to keep in mind. Before, when we have gone over this before, I, I realized we weren't recording it. Uh, The one thought I had was this book I read by Malcolm Gladwell talking to strangers Mm -hmm. and how one one of the things he mentions is that some people are transparent in that they're the the way they present themselves on the outside is how they're feeling on the inside, but a lot of people aren't they'll they'll present themselves very differently outwardly versus how, how they're feeling in the moment. The tricky part is we're often trained to assume that people are being transparent unless we grow up otherwise. Right, and
1: it's hard to like make that distinction in this space, especially because I feel that because it's such an artistic friendly space and, at least recently, it is a space that is very open to individuals that are queer individuals of different ethnic backgrounds this is a space that at least on the surface it it purports itself to be an open and safe space for so many individuals and i think it's it, it's easy to say and there are the bare minimum things that can be done but i feel that also when you engage with people uh individually you kind of Realize there's a limitations as to what to expect from each individual. It's easy to say that I, as a person, respect you for being different or not living your life exactly as I live. But when you walk, when they walk away from the space, do they only see you as a person as an exception for how they act, or do those beliefs, or is, is that statement that they said? only for this one space and outside of that they perceive it they think of certain people in different ways and that kind of will shift that might impact your relationship with those people and i think that's really something to keep in mind while you're in these dance spaces i think i've recently had an engagement with someone where i met with them and they invited me to go and spend time with one of their friends who i personally don't enjoy their company and they said do you want to come and like do a you know a more isolated uh, dance thing with me and um their sibling and that friend and i said no i don't like that friend like i and and that person knows that and it was kind of a situation where that person heard my they know that i don't like this person we talked about it before and they respected that they said hey just want to put it out there I know that you're civil around them at least I just know you don't like them I want to put that on the table and I respect that person for being you know considerate enough to recognize and hear me and like not have an issue like we still went on having a good day ourselves but at the same time I have to recognize that you know that's that's where I put myself in a position of okay well I don't like this person does that necessarily impact my relationship with that middle friend who's friends with both of us and I think that's something to just keep in mind with dance spaces it's really easy to have these expectations and then if they if they don't meet them does that does that necessarily make it harder to engage with those particular individuals like long term
0: yeah um, and when when you have situations like that when there's two parties that aren't interested in each other and this this other person are sort of in between uh it it, it adds all these sorts of complexities because they have like two potentially opposing interests in mind Mm -hmm. um it's great that you you and your friend are able to still be together but it's uh it it's really tricky for for that middle person and like it obviously like weird situation i don't know how to just dis- how else to really describe it like between you and this other person and this doesn't just apply to like this but anything else really uh growing up and i just mean like becoming in like a, a full-fledged adult. anything you you start to recognize that these situations happen and it, it could just be a case where you're not mortal enemies with x person and you just have to live with that
1: yeah i think that um just understanding that maybe maybe it's not like you you, dance is not this perfect ideal space for everyone like initially it could be inter it could be perceived just because of those really fortunate years of undergrad and those particular individuals that doesn't mean that we can't all share this space. I think it's just really important to keep in mind that we're both sharing this space. And just because we're, we have different, you know, lifestyles or beliefs or thoughts or or behaviors that maybe one or the other doesn't appreciate. That doesn't mean that we can't share a space. It's just that I'm not going to necessarily put myself in a situation where I'm seeking your engagement, and that's not
0: a bad thing yeah, like the the dance community really in the end, is a subset of just a community in the like as a whole, so just like in normal everyday quote unquote life where you're there are people you don't get along with, there are gonna be people you don't get along with in in the dance community, even if you're all really interested in this crazy and intense activity and Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is and because you're hopefully mature adults you're able to move on from there like you can a lot like you did you can you have things that you know you like and you have things you know you don't like and you've tried to like you've given you've given them a chance and you decided i don't want to do this right now that's it's okay to say no. Absolutely. We're going to move on to something um, a little, a little happier. (laughs) Okay, let's go. So let's think about what your favorite dance style is, or maybe you have two that you really like. So what's your favorite dance style?
1: All right, my favorite dance style is Um, Uh cha-cha-cha. I feel that it is the most expressive, even though some people can call it slow. And it's a style that is there's a lot more room for interpretation because there is a little bit lack of pace of the feet, but I feel that some of the music is more playful. I also know know that typically any uh, pop song with an eight count can be danced cha cha too. so you can do you can you can play with whatever you want with that style. It's a lot of fun. yeah, and after cha cha, like right below, like one small level below is salsa. Um, that's that's the first love. That's the first thing that got me into dance. Period. Um, that's the first thing that I felt comfortable with. Um, and it's very, very playful. I I I per, I particularly enjoy the music that is more rooted in the culture that Latin partner dancing came from so when I hear a Colombian salsa uh a Colombian uh, or a uh, Latin jazz orchestra for a cha-cha that's when like my soul catches fire uh-huh. I get creative I start I start bouncing about it's it's a good time it's a good time and sometimes you take people that aren't even comfortable in that style and based on my reaction they're having a good time because they see how much joy I'm feeling and I'm like you're gonna have a good time with me too so those are definitely my two favorite styles
0: yeah and uh, that makes sense because they're they're like siblings or cousins or there's some sort of familial relationship with each other just based on how the the music and the, the physical movements screw up, they're, they're related. And so it makes perfect sense that you, you like them like one and just barely two. Right. And, it, and
1: those answers have changed over the years, because I would say when I would, when I first considered myself even competent of a dancer, bachata was my go-to to the point that the people who were teaching the university salsa club, asked me as a non instructor like can you teach our advanced bachata lesson because we know you love that and you're going to like you know you're going to kick everyone's ass or a really cool combination and but as I got further and as I started having different connections with the music and the dance styles you know it's really about being open and expressive and not just how I as the leader can dictate the dance but how my partner is perceiving it, what kind of enjoyment they're getting out of it, and I feel like there's more room to actively reciprocate that enjoyment while um, while actually engaging in salsa or cha-cha versus the other forms of Latin
0: partner dancing. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite songs in those genres or favorite artists or maybe even favorite time periods for the music since it's been many I would years? Say-
1: I would say that specifically my favorite artist would be Tito Puente. Mm -hmm. Um, His uh, Latin jazz orchestra, his music is really some of the more creative, playful stuff that I've enjoyed over the years. I just, you can feel that bounce and that pop. And I just like the ability to play around with the music and to hear like one thing I love about Latin jazz and jazz in general is the um, creativity of the orchestra to just kind of go into to uh, without planning. And you really, you kind of break away from the basic stanza, you know, there's the tempo, the basic tempo that the orchestra, uh, the orchestrator has in mind and then there's the sheet music but then there's a trumpet that goes on its own accord there's a saxophone that's gone into a tizzy what else is there um who else uh you know bass uh, pianos when you just hear one instrument going off and you're just like you know what am I going to do with my feet or maybe I'm going to go through a a turn pattern that's going to like have both of us like hurting through all this like those are some of my favorites Um, I would say that specifically a song that I hear and I almost start weeping with excitement is uh, called No, No, No by Boogaloo Assassins. Um, Specifically within the uh, style of cha-cha, Boogaloo is just some of the more jazzy, playful kind of stuff. And when I hear this particular song, you know, I can just, I, I always scope out one of my favorite partners—not the best dancer in the room—but someone that understands my nuances and uh-huh. my tics. And I was like, "All right, come on, come on!" And then I get—I make a show of it. You know, I start stretching my legs. I'm like, <laughs> "I'm going to destroy both of us. We're going to be hurting. We're going to be sweating. We're going to be flying through this song. We're going to go from this edge of the room to the other side of the room, and we'll have a good time. We're going to be laughing." Uh, but yeah, "No, No, No" by Boogaloo Assassins is definitely just you know chef's kiss fun energy and that musicality is really about musicality for me mm-hmm. and I speak fluent Spanish who doesn't really perceive the words quickly enough to like understand what's happening in the moment I am listening to the song I'm listening to how the lyrics are being sang uh-huh. but, I'm, but I'm I mean how they're being sung but I'm mostly focused on just how I can play with every element of the song, whether it be the lyrics, whether it be the instruments, whether it be the background, the the random noises you hear, the stops in the music, and that's really where Cha-Cha um, really hits it for me, because, you know, there are times where you can't predict it, you can kind of predict it, you can kind of feel, you hear the build of the song, and you might know when a riff's coming, but you can't always be sure, whereas but Chata, once you hear that first like you know that first uh guitar riff through is like okay and this is where we're at and this is where we're staying and you can kind of pretend where the next verse is coming next stanza the next uh hook and those are um not predictable but you know those are easier to interpret but i like that that um chaotic nature
0: of cha-cha a little more yeah and with these with these like Latin um, jazz and like salsa and like timba groups and Cuban music, the the big thing is when you have a recording and the recording is awesome and it's so much fun to dance to, mm-hmm. but then there are all sorts of live versions or if you get the opportunity to listen to these people in person, they they'll take a song that's maybe like four or five minutes long and they'll They'll go on for like 10, 11, 12 minutes and just knows. changing things up. They'll like they'll just have all these sorts of transitions. They might have these mm-hmm. moments where like, like you said, one instrument is gonna be going off. And the um every uh, I brought this song up in a different uh, in a different interview, but uh Hey Joe by Joe Cuba. Right. There's this one line he says that's it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. Right. And that that's like a big thing in, in these groups because maybe these groups are, maybe individually someone isn't doing a particularly complex thing, but it's the way that A, the, the people are seeing it or playing it on their instruments, mm. B, how all of those elements interact with each other that makes the, the music so crazy. Yeah, no, I just,
1: I always look for or I really I hear that one song and then just if I can play with it how do I play with it I don't really enjoy so much well I mean I still enjoy a song that dictates what direction I'm going in there there are songs where the hits are obvious and you know the drops and you know um to the point where even your partner is like and here's a stop here's a (laughs) pose and Oh, I oh I hate the ones where they like they know where the dip's coming. And I'm like, I'm not dipping you. Where are you going? You just fell. Um, Oh dipping. (laughs) Oh dipping. But um just the more like you were saying, the when those songs are played by live bands, those are those are magical. I I will seek out events that have live bands, or if there's a Congress and there's five nights of dancing and I only have strength for three, you're betting you're betting. You know that I'm going to the one with the live band. I'm yeah. going to be all over that. I'll be, I'll be hurt. I'll be, I'll be complaining. My legs will be sore. <laughs> Everyone's like, we're deep breath, huffing and puffing because we are on fire. Yeah, I think it's, it's a different monster. You can always have a good DJ and a good DJ with a good um, grasp of music and a good uh, catalog to pull from is great. But I think the magic behind a live uh performance, even if it's a cover band, it can still really just take it away because as much as they're playing off of each other, they're playing off of the crowd too. Yeah, yeah. So, so if they see that you're having a good time or they see people really having the good stuff, they're gonna they're gonna keep going. They're gonna keep rolling with this one. And they might, they might take that four minute song it'll be a little longer and it'll be longer. And then as it starts to pay, then they switch it up and then you're just not ready. And it's just really it's really something I think that's unique to this dance style because, you know, it's not just the live music, but it's a live music that you may have never seen before, especially if you are, you know, of the American or European descent.
0: Yeah. Um moving moving kind of in into that topic or direction. Um dance it like you were mentioning earlier how dance is very niche in the us and just like the west in general mm-hmm. and how that it, it changes how we become dancers versus in other cultures where you grow up doing it the same way you grow up walking and doing anything else you do on a daily basis it's mm-hmm. so like it's not the same you, you don't get the kind of like the same perspective um like learning starting out as an 18, 19 year old versus a five year old.
1: Yeah, no, I think um, at like looking at how, you know, I've met people who grew up in the culture and, you know, they'll laugh at um, the American groups or the college groups that have to learn with accounting, even though simultaneously they want to know, or maybe they are not as clean or as fundamentally sound with that style so when they go social dancing you know they can they can move to an extent but there might be limitations or maybe they're amazing there's really no best way to learn unless your goals are connected to like fitting into the more quote-unquote universal approach to it and I think that the biggest difference is like what are your goals of dancing if you grew up in the culture, and you are just here to have a good time, interpret the music, hear the sounds that you know, and you grew up with, and dance however your body tells you, you know, go go at it. If your goals are to perform or to teach, then you typically go into the more universally accepted, structured version of it, which uh, is just more commonplace and accepted amongst different environments. There is a little bit of that uh, cultural back and forth of, uh, you know, appreciation versus appropriation that comes to to front here. I am someone, you know, being African-American myself, I recognize that a lot of American, uh, American's popular culture uh, feeds off of the creativity of, you know, black and brown communities specifically. And so I, as a Latin, uh, Latin dancer, always want to be conscious of how i can just how i'm recognizing appreciating and being respectful to the culture that presented all this uh, all this that brought me so much joy okay i'm
0: gonna wrap it up soon hopefully i've gotten everything that's really the the core of this um this little project i wanted to ask you if there are any people or instructors that you want to give a shout out to or just like recommend if they just happen to have the chance to do something with them
1: um I would let's see I got a couple of them on my wall I got like a appreciation thing on my wall I would say the people that like I think were the first to be invested in me getting the most out of this uh Al, Allison Chen travis uh she uh invited me to be in my first showcase dance my first year my first year of college uh matt Gresco, um a really goofy guy that essentially said anytime i was free come over let's have a beer let's dance and that was really something that was very special that was hard to recreate that that um that sense of community, not just in the club but outside of the club, where you engage with people and you just dance and improve, and those two individuals are really big in my in my overall growth. As far as instructors, find the people that you vibe with because there are a good amount of them. There are people that teach in different styles and different focuses, uh, but really just focus on what is important to you. And you know, shout out to the friends that have supported me at shows, have fed me, have given me a floor or couch to sleep on when I'm traveling for dance, and have gone on weird like road trip-esque dance adventures uh, all across the country.
0: Yeah, we, um, I, I brought up earlier how like when you're a dancer, it's, it's a lot like when you're in college and you're, you're staying up all night trying to, get ready for this exam or for this huge project and you're all kind of just like bonding and sharing in this misery and then when you're dancing you're like staying up all night dancing and you're all crammed into this tiny space trying to sleep and you're driving for hours and hours mm-hmm. and like you end up bonding a lot in that kind of these kind of uncomfortable situations but it uh it, it keeps you it together for a while absolutely
1: yeah i know it's um very unique it's a very unique thing um i think for uh for you and i specifically who were able to experience this in college our our experience is different there's opportunities to recreate those things but i think that it just really gives us a new perspective of how to just continue to grow and make this into something that we enjoy by not just not just commemorating in the endless hours, but just you know, commemorating in our growth as people and just seeing where the world and where dancing takes us next. Yeah.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about our conversations or would like to appear in a future episode of the podcast, send an email to dancingquestions at gmail.com. Her theme song is Kiss and Tell, Breezy Bossa Nova by Keshko. The photograph used in our artwork was taken by Ardian Lumi, available on on OnSplash. Logo and artwork were created by Lydia Francis. Please visit our website for links and further details. Also, follow us on Instagram, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our latest content.